listening to Not Good Enough, an inadequate response to inadequate responses. I'm Mitch Alexander. I'm Tom McLean. I'm Tom Lang. And I'm Evie. And we're recording this on Anzac Day. So if you could pause the podcast for a minute and then Shout play out it to again, the troops. <laughs> <laughs> Shout outs this week. All the soldiers. <laughs> this week. The troops that fell in Gallipoli. No, the only troop I respect is the Super Mario troops. Um that that oh deviant art person made it was so good. I, I just like I love posting it every year because I always think about it for like a week afterwards. Like Princess Peach, we'll put a link to the, <laughs> princess, to the, the Princess Peach and Super Mario Anzac Remembrance. I thought you were talking about like Cooper Troopers. I'm like, what are you on about? <laughs> yeah, no, for, for context, I think I think this is even a deep dive for some of our listeners. But there is a picture someone did of the of Anzac era people but from the Mario universe. And it's like, lest we forget. And there's little like, g'day, mate. Thing, but it's like, it's just like Mario as a World War One trooper and Princess Peach in like a, like a World War One nurse's out. Just deranged. Just I, I just love, I love the level of detail. They, they also made sure to include the New Zealanders and have Kia Ora in there as well. So yeah. respect to that. Pretty, it's a pretty crazy. So for the international listener, Anzac Day, Australian <laughs> New Zealand Armed Coalition, maybe, um, yeah. uh, is our sort of respect the troops day uh but obviously our armed forces as we've discussed in previous episodes don't have a great reputation at the moment because they keep just being so evil who would have expected (laughs) we weren't we didn't even put many like we didn't put notes in for this um segment this is this is just a riff you know a funny goof up top about anzac day just off the dome i'm pretty sure i talked about this this time last year for some reason (coughs) i don't know why it keeps coming up annually but like Whenever you hear a politician from either side, like either like the two major parties talking about like you know respecting the troops and Australians appreciate the service and the sacrifice of these troops, they are pig shit, ignorant, craven, opportunistic assholes and should not be taken seriously whatsoever. Like our politicians, this is the politicians. Yes, our politicians no, should be screamed out of every ANZAC ceremony that they appear at because <laughs> what they do to our troops currently and what do they do to our veterans currently my dad's a fucking veteran and i know f- firsthand about the shit that they do both major parties pilfer the retirement funds of these veterans every couple of years every few decades saying oh we'll pay you back in a bit we just need to do some stuff and then they just don't pay them back it's been an ongoing thing for ages yeah. and not enough people fucking care about it and they never bring it up also we don't support the fucking return servicemen my cousin served in iraq and we like, we just don't have services properly available for different returning service men and women and we don't talk about them frankly if on anzac day you want to forget about the fact that we currently have ben robert smith and we're investigating him for some heinous fucking war crimes it does a disservice to the memory of the diggers and the anzacs to fucking like valorize and and wipe away all these myths that are happening now our armed services are fucked right now it's the same thing whenever, like, politicians are like, oh, yeah, now's not the time to talk about this. No, I, I think Anzac yeah. Day is a pretty good day to talk <laughs> yeah, about 100%, it. Yeah, <laughs> 100%. Our politicians are the worst people in the country, the most disrespectful to our fucking return servicemen. And that's not even getting into the fact that I hate every armed serviceman in, in every single country and all wars are fucked. <laughs> I think there's a whole thing of, of like, the the... The sort of the attitude of like, oh, we've got to respect the brave sacrifice, blah, blah, blah. We can't talk about abolishing the military or how horrible it all is because, you know, we've got to, oh, they've taken such a brave sacrifice. Like, imagine if we had a day that was just like, 
honoring the brave sacrifices made by all the child soldiers who were, like died in a conflict around the world. It's like that. That's that's fucked. You, sh- you no. Yeah. <laughs> it's something that's very very horrible. That's like that that is being done to these people. That is also turning them into monsters. No part of it is honorable, and it's ridiculous to have a day to treat it with honor. I think respecting the troops is a lot like you know clapping for nurses. We've built you this big war memorial. You know, we give you a wreath now and then, and we and we have a little parade. Uh, what more do you want? What money and mental health support? Get out of here. That's for that's for mining magnates. Uh, Brennan Lee Mulligan, who's a college humor dude, um, had a bit. I don't have a link for it. It's going to be impossible to find. But he was basically talking about how it, it's that that whole thing of re- respecting them without helping them is ridiculous. He's like, I could jerk off on the subway and be like, this one's for the troops. It doesn't count. I need to help. <laughs> it's res- yeah, it's respecting the idea of the troops, not the actual troops. Respecting the ceremony as opposed to actually being like, hey, we put you through this fucked thing. Um, here is lifelong support for. Sorry about making you go through the fuck thing. You know what it is? It's appropriating troop culture. Oh, God. <laughs> We've taken... Oh, my God. This is going to get me cancelled from both sides. Where is this going, Lang? Go on, Lang. You want to go further with this bit? What's, what's, what's it like? We've taken... Yes, I am. And, and I reserve the right to have this entirely cut. We've... Yep. I'm going to edit it in again. <laughs> We've taken the thing the troops have done, like the war stuff and the uniform and the way they look and all that, and we've gone, we want this. We want to have big parades and make movies about this. The actual troops, though, oh, we don't like them. They're, they're unemployed. They're weird. Get them out of here. We don't want to see them. We want all your stuff, but we don't want to support you. There you it, go. It's racism I just realized the troops. it's literally <laughs> stolen valour. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. literally just stolen valor of hey, like look at me, I did this thing. Um, but uh, it, but also the troops are bad. I don't. Yeah. Know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like even just the idea of like you, you know. So in uh, again for international listeners, one of the things that we do on Respect the Troops Day is um, a, a charity called Legacy. Um, they sell like these pins, which is like the Eternal Flame and a pin that you buy, um, mm. and the money is given to. I think it's it's a charity for um, returned servicemen, um, and oh, even so. that in itself is its own little like stolen valor of here is a badge of how much I respect the troops or mm. like a poppy or something like that. Uh, oh, of course, every time um, a, a vaguely left-leaning politician doesn't wear a poppy, it's always mentioned, even though it's just like a situation where they wouldn't have been wearing a poppy anyway. You're not even meant to wear a poppy on Anzac Day. No, it's, that's a different That's Remembrance Day. day. But, but absolutely our politicians wear poppies and they're like, that's oh, for Anzac Day. It's like, you you... I, w- I wouldn't say you don't give a shit in a in an accusatory voice voice because I also don't give a shit. You don't give a- <laughs> you, you care about this as much as I do, you bastard. It's the conflation of troops and war uh, is is mm. what it is. Politicians want you to respect war, and they do that by telling you to respect the troops. It, it just reminded me of something. Um, Caleb Bond a couple of years ago um, <laughs> wrote this really funny article that was like. Uh, Caleb Bond being a man who is barely above 18 himself um, wrote an article when he was still not of age basically saying what what young people today need is a good old-fashioned war <laughs> really need to and that was pre-pandemic and I'm just like thinking hmm what what, what we need is a good old-fashioned Spanish flu <laughs> turns out all the teenagers have had a plague now so was that the same article though where he's like I of course wouldn't be conscripted because I have a club foot or something like that <laughs> 
He's already figured out how to not be conscripted in World War Two. Yeah. Like, Someone had some um, article like that. It was fucking incredible. Anyway. <laughs> Speaking of uh, politicians uh, not respecting the troops enough, uh, Lydia Thorpe posted a tweet earlier today, uh, who's our uh, Indigenous uh, senator, uh, saying, I don't hear anyone saying, get over it, it was so long ago, unless <laughs> we forget. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's that, I mean, that's the other thing as well. We don't want to talk about frontier wars. We don't want to talk about Australian war crimes. We don't want to talk about how we have been funding genocide through, you know, Southeast Asia. Like, We don't want to talk about Iraq. Yeah, like, mm. yeah, it's great. But, I don't know, there's a myth of some people nearly 100 years ago that were sent to the wrong beach, and that is still part of our mm. national makeup for some fucking reasons. Peter Dutton, fuck you. There you go. Ridiculous. On the bright side, Anzac biscuits are a very good biscuit. They're a fine biscuit. Nah, they're one of the best. <laughs> one of the best. <laughs> nah. Blood biscuits. Damn it, Lang, support our biscuits. No, I, I, I'm willing to I'm willing to be cancelled by saying they're not that great a biscuit. Yeah. You, you two are fucking idiots. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm going out there and marching on Anzac Day for this. Now. This, this is the is one that's splitting the pot. <laughs> yeah, this <laughs> is what does you, it. This is how Lang. the pot ends. <laughs> Fuck you, I refuse Evie. to agree that it's a good biscuit. This sorry. is what happens when we don't have Isaac here to say, I'm, I'm weighing in, they are the best biscuits. <laughs> yeah. We have Isaac here being like, guys, we've got three pages of notes and we haven't hit line one yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, do we want to talk about the dumb milkshake dumb video or has everybody else made all the takes that need to be made on yeah, it? Yeah, let's talk about the milkshake video. That's uh, P.T. Anderson's There Will Be Blood, right? That's the what we're talking about? That's I take your milkshake. <laughs> I drink it up. I don't think they referenced that. In so. case uh, we do have international listeners who aren't finely tuned to um, every nuance of Australian political discourse, uh, this week, in particular, a very funny thing happened where uh, the Australian government released what has been widely known as the milkshake consent video. Now, in itself, that is a very strange sequence of words, but uh, the the context of this is that it is part of a broader package of educating children about respectful relationships and consent. And this is, I think, a project that has been several years in the making. Um, there's been, you know, paperwork talking about how it was it's a, the bidding process and that sort of thing. So it's roughly been sort of developed since 2018, 2019. But this video in particular is very funny because it just talks about consent in a very odd way. I think another important piece of context is the fact that the government is still plagued by a numerous sexual assault scandals. Yes. It's not like they haven't made the video as part of dealing with these scandals, but it no. is absolutely relevant to yeah. just always point out that that they're, they're just a pack of horrible, abusive misogynists themselves. It, it's just, I think it is particularly well-timed because it shows how horrible the government is at understanding how to deal with talking to children about very precarious topics and also just the context of the government also the the coalition government generally spent several years attacking activists about safe schools which was a very robust campaign to educate kids about sex about queer relationships in a very frank mm. and open and honest way yeah they yeah. hated it because it was like you won't go to hell if you have sex. Yes. Also, here's how to like talk to your peers about sex. You know, like it's it's okay to explore your gender identity and blah blah. Wow, blah. acknowledging trans children, jail. 
that's the something that gets lost a lot with the safe school stuff is that like we like even I think of it now as just like oh was that that initiative to tell kids about you know a transgender people it's like no it was also just really really good proper like sex education it was fantastic yeah like it was very again very open and honest and so it says a lot that in light of multiple horrific sort of revelations about um, you know, sexual assault within Parliament House, um, disrespect and harassment of people within Parliament House as well, that they obviously are not intending to educate Australian children in a way that would foster understanding and, you know, healthy relationships very early on. So mm. it, it's just, yeah, like if you haven't watched the video already, I Genuinely, like, um, it's been taken down from the government website. I'm sure there's copies of it available all across the internet. Oh, yeah, it's all, it's very easy to find. It's not very long. It's all over the place. I will point out that I haven't actually watched it. I've tried about three <laughs> times and I've cringed out. <laughs> I've had to close start it and the stop first several 15 times. seconds. I, I yeah. can't. It's only it. a couple of minutes long. It's- and honestly, I found it more baffling than actively difficult to watch. It was more just like, oh, this is dumb. Yeah. Maybe it, we like, cringe on different things. I I, I, I couldn't do... Uh, I'm just thinking about it. I can't do it. I uh-huh. ate my own face with cringe. It was fucked. <laughs> just sucked my own teeth into my head. It was fucking... Oh. Yeah, so I actually, because I cringed out so many times, Evie, haven't actually watched the video. So what the fuck happens in the... Spare me from watching it. What happens? <laughs> so basically the video likens asking for consent and offering consent to whether someone wants to drink a milkshake or not um, <laughs> and refusing consent in a, like, you know, a mashing food all over someone's face. Honestly, it's just very strange the way it talks about, it doesn't mention like any sort of explicit terms as well. It doesn't use the term consent at any point or sex or rape yeah, or it's, anything. It's all milkshakes. It's, it's just like if somebody wants you to drink their milkshake. Yeah. Yeah then don't smush your milkshake into their face? Or? Yeah, it, yeah. It, looks, it looks vaguely sports-oriented as well. Yeah, because it's, it's got these two graphics thing. on people on like one side of the field saying no and another person on the other side yeah. saying yes with like two end zones. And the person saying yes drags the end zone over the no zone. Now it's the action zone. So what the fuck are you talking about? That's pushing yeah. the line across. You've pushed the line. This is the other thing about this video. It introduces a consent model which in like the resources that come with this video um talk about the consent model and understanding that yes and no like consent isn't a binary and it can change at any time which in itself is a good concept yeah that's fair enough yeah like you know it's a good thing to talk about how consent is a constantly changing thing especially in a precarious situation like you know where you're not really sure Mm. whether you want to say yes or no that's a good thing to talk about but like i said before no sexual terms And, okay, consent is not necessarily even in a sex situation either. No. But it's still so euphemistic as to be completely useless. Well, they've reinvented the wheel. They've said, we want to talk about consent, but we don't want to talk about consent. How can we figure (laughs) out how to explain the concept of consent in an entirely new way? So we're now pushing a line across and they're teaching us how to recognise when a line has been pushed across and it's it's an unnecessarily convoluted mental model that honestly I watched this video and I feel like I came out of it understanding less about consent. Yeah, Uh-oh. I'm walking down the street now and I'm so vulnerable. <laughs> oh God, like okay, so this is the other thing that I, I wanted to talk about with this video. So I, I know a lot of the sort of backlash to this video has not so much mean about it being cringe, but 
the the opinion I think of a lot of um, rusted on Labor supporters or water drop Twitter or that sort of thing is that, oh, yeah, it's really conservative. It's very 1950s, which I think was kind of the point. Mm. So, okay, this is my theory about this video. So my theory is that the tender went out in 2018, 2019, whenever it happened, uh, government pitching is a is a very specific process where they've got a lot of preferred vendors that do stuff. So the company that did this, it, the, <laughs> the, so this project in it's itself, such a picture of corruption, but yeah, sorry, yeah. <laughs> this, the, this project in itself that uh, contains the milkshake video is called the Good Society, quote unquote. So it's a whole package of resources, and this video is just one of those things. Um, governments tender out. Um, you know, educational resources and that sort of thing to other companies all the time. But like I said before, they've got preferred providers that do this. And the company that did this, which is called Liquid Interactive, has done numerous government resources. Um, and this is just another one. So in itself, not very eventful. There's no sort of big conspiracy about it being an American company or whatever the fuck people had wild no. theories about. And it's also not a rort. Like, it's not a They didn't give a huge pile of cash to their mates. They gave a pretty sensible pile of cash. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's a very sensible amount for what it is in that it pays for actors, it pays for the development of those resources and that sort of thing. So it's not just like some cash grab. But my, my theory is this, like, you know, it went to like a company that like, you know, usually does these resources. So nothing controversial about that. But there's two things. They didn't want anything explicit, like safe schools. No. They didn't want anyone, any sort of reference to sex in a very open and honest way. And that was the brief for this That's pitch. That's in the tender. No yeah. references to sex. Yeah. Really? Uh, no, oh my God. no, no, no it, it's not. That, it's not in the tender, but like that oh, is oh, my sorry. theory. <laughs> um, I, I fully would love to read the tender, though. Um, <laughs> but the way, like, obviously, that's a shit brief to, like, you know, to put out to people saying, "Hey, we want these videos about sex ed, but you have to not mention sex at all." Um, mm. And the the only way that a company could perhaps deal with having to, you know, deal with such a shit brief is to be kind of ironic about it. So so mm. my theory is basically is that this is like ironic nostalgia. Like so like think about like when you were at school and you had to learn about sex ed and you had to watch all these terrible old-fashioned videos. Like I had to watch like some horrible like sex ed videos from the 70s. Um mm-hmm. like you know like, and they were all like weirdly conservative even though I went to a public school and so Gen Xs and millennials are the ones who are in you know, companies now who would be making educational videos for kids. Yeah. And so they think, like, you know, my sort of theory for this is that they were like, oh, let's make like a jokey kind of old-fashioned video about sex ed. Yeah. So, so like, you know, mm. oh, like, you know, sort of self, self-referential and talking about how corny it is. And that's why it's got that aesthetic. Like, that's why it's, it's so got that weird, 50s mix, milkshake and that sort of thing. It's not deliberately being conservative. They were trying to do a bit. For sure. And the bit is just really bad. <laughs> It's also such a strange decision because that's not relevant to children. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not. two layers of irony and reference deep. Like, it's people our age making a video riffing on what the videos we watched were like, which were from 10 or 20 years before us. But the kids nowadays, if you made a video that was set in the 90s, that would be whimsically retro. This video is set in, like the 80s or the 60s or some weird thing making references to like songs that came out before these kids were born yeah it's completely lost 
I mean, the kids these days are pretty good with irony. That don't like don't pander to children. Um, no, and but, also it's yeah. for teenagers who are out there bloody having sex. Yeah. Well- this is yeah. the thing that I think as well. It's just I don't think it's even for kids. I think it's done so that they can look like they're doing something about consent material. Yeah, mm. I absolutely agree. And I don't give a shit. It's not It's not actually aimed at kids. It's aimed at the Gen Xs and Millennials so they can go, oh, cool, a cool, hip way to talk about consent. Here you go, kids, shove that in your fucking throat. I don't give a shit. I don't, I don't even think they care. I think what it is is the government has said, well, we've said safe schools is bad. We've got to fill that area with yeah. so much garbage that no one can ever talk about sex again properly. Like <laughs> like they do with the environment and whatever. If the government wants to fuck up a generation's understanding fuck, of something, yeah. they don't not tell them about it. They tell them about it in the wrong way. Mm, that is so grim. Yeah, in all honesty, yes, that's what it is. Like, it, it, if you can't talk about it honestly with safe schools, you have to do it in a very vague and obscure mm-hmm. and opaque way um, that they're going to be like, well, what the hell was that about? Best not to think about it. (laughs) And the problem is here is that you make this big educational package and it is an educational package. It's got lots of content. It's got class materials. It's got, it's got exercises and discussion topics and things. You send this out to teachers and you say, this is what you should teach. Now teachers aren't forced to teach that. They can choose to do their own lesson plan. But if they do that, that's a shitload more work for teachers and teachers are all super overworked. So most teachers who don't know any better or are well-meaning will take this and will try to teach it. And now you have a generation who is poorly taught with this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, If you didn't provide this packet at all, the teachers would go, oh, I guess I'm going to have to look up how to teach sex and they might accidentally stumble onto something useful. (laughs) (laughs) See, as someone who's had like an odd insight into how these kind of educational materials are made, Lang, you're absolutely right in that teachers are desperate to not have to, like, make up this content themselves. They will look for the, the resources that are available. Um, you know, the ABC has d- done various iterations of these sort of things. They, they've had educational websites with lots of clips and mm. stuff like that that are to the curriculum. And, like, this website was designed in order to adhere to, uh, like, you know, the personal development and health um, curriculum mm, yeah. that's in Australia. So they don't have to think about it. They just teach it, which is good. Um, which, or in theory, should be good. Mm-hmm. But if you have a resource that obviously doesn't teach kids in a way that is honest, what are you going to do about that? Because there's nothing, like, there's no other resources that are available that go to the curriculum. Yeah. Um, it, I did a little bit of looking into who designed this, as I always do. This is my go-to. And, of it's course, um, it wasn't Ben <laughs> Robert Smith, father of the year. Um, he, he actually he actually won that award once. Um, no. No. <laughs> Uh, this is put out by. You can't just drop these things on. This is put out by a department. <laughs> this is put out. Moving on. This is put out by a department, uh, including uh, Alan Tudge and Stuart Roberts. Um, Alan Tudge, of course, being the guy who. What did he? What was his sex scandal? He had an affair. Did he some had consensual sex with someone there bursting the Canberra bubble uh, implication thing yeah. of just being a sort of general sleaze, allegedly. So we went, who knows about violating consent? Get me Alan Tudge. <laughs> <laughs> Alan Tudge, what is it like? He's like, well, it's like when you put a milkshake in someone's face and they don't really want it. It's like when you keep someone detained for days when they shouldn't. I wasn't intending this to, to be a, a go at Alan Tudge, but, but my point being... <laughs> Oh, he no. also <laughs> didn't like he also didn't like safe schools. He was part of the government and and did speak up and say Labor's bloody made safe schools and if you say safe schools is bad you're a bigot. 
And of course, the government, as soon as safe schools came out, went, God, we've got to fill that gap with some garbage. This happens in environment stuff as well. When you're a teacher wanting to teach climate stuff, there are lots of nice prepackaged things for how to teach your kids about the environment. You've got to be careful. A lot of them are written by the Minerals Council. Or fossil fuel companies. Oh, my God. What's this What's this sticker of a tree on the cover of this book? And you lift it up, it's shell. No, shit, it's covered it up. Yeah, it's like the the, the big um, big girl's treasury of environmental science sponsored by Chevron or something. 100%. They will all tell you how to calculate your carbon footprint, how to set up recycling programs at your school, yeah. how... Big fossil fuel companies are our friends in nature, that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, so it was Earth Day the other day, uh, a.k.a. what has become Corporate Greenwashing Day. <laughs> um, and it's a good time to think about how everything that is good was started by activists and socialists in the 60s and 70s, but is quickly perverted by corporations in the media to just be about keep cups. Um, we'll, we'll link a great write-up from, from the newsletter Heated um, that has summarised it much better than I could. Um, but, yeah, basically Earth Day started, like International Women's Day, it started as a whole bunch of socialists going, we need to change the system, we need a people's movement, we need to centre, like, minorities and working-class people and fight back against people with power and capital. And people with power and capital went... That's a nice brand you've got there. <laughs> a shame if somebody used it to sell their products. <laughs> so we also had on Earth Day um, a virtual climate leaders summit hosted by the US um, where all the world leaders got together and celebrated how Biden was around and that now maybe we wouldn't all die in a horrible climate fire. And kind of reiterated and, and upped a lot of their promises to deliver on, like, climate targets and stuff. And, and a lot of actually pretty good stuff here. Biden, I'm not going to say he's been good, but he has gone up. He, he's done some things with, like, carbon commitments that have been better than people have expected. Yeah. Um, we'll have to see if he follows through. Um, because that's that's the thing. Anyone can make some commitments. He's got to actually follow up on them. And there's a lot of stuff he's doing that is, like, a bit iffy. He, like, has cancelled a pipeline, but then he's, like, approved other pipelines and stuff. Anyway, I'm not going to get into it because that's not our area. But the US <laughs> promised to reduce their emissions by half by 2030, which is pretty good. The UK has promised to reduce them by 78% by 2035. Hopefully they do that. You know, and other countries like Japan, 50% by 2030. Really Pretty solid stuff. Um, not, you know, as good as it could be. It'd love, we'd love if it was zero by 2030, but, you know, it's a start. Except Australia um, oh. somehow scored an invite to the Climate Leaders Summit <laughs> because, I don't know, presumably there was a Climate Villain Summit, which we also weren't invited to. <laughs> they had us uh, there too. <laughs> um, it, honestly, even places like Saudi Arabia are more ambitious than us in some ways. Mm -hmm. It's insane. But Australia's target is a 26% reduction by 2030, Whoa. which is basically like, we're just going to just see if this car just coasts slowly down to a stop. Um, we're driving on the red empty sign for the next nine years. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully just limp by the next um, few petrol stations. And that absolutely is a target they've set with the intention of 
zero plans to do anything and just hope we accidentally meet it. Is it even, like, right to say that they there's any actual hope that we accidentally do anything? Like, surely they're going in with these targets of just, like, you know, the only purpose of any target that Australia brings to one of these meetings is to get people to fuck off and shut up. Yeah, exactly. These are targets that Australia has set and we've gone, hopefully we just meet these accidentally because it's not actually, a, like, a target. Um, it's It's where we reckon we're already going. Um, but honestly, we'd be lucky to hit it. The government is doing everything they can to increase our emissions. But all that aside, Scott Morrison got up in front of the world and just fucked it up. Like, ah, oh, it's the milkshake it video boring. didn't make me cringe. This <laughs> made me cringe. <laughs> it was the biggest combination of like, like lies and spin, but also just like. Pointless, weird Aussie insider bragging shit that no one cares about. And, like, just mumble. Like, like waffle. He didn't even have good lies. Yeah. But also, like, fucked up a lot of his talking points and also fucked yeah. up tech stuff in the way, like, a dad does. Like, all around, on every metric, he fucked it. I think he'd written down a bunch of shit that didn't make sense even to him. Achieving our 2030 target will see emissions per capita fall by almost... Half of our emissions uh, per unit uh, by of GDP by seventy <laughs> percent. What? Oh, I don't know. I have no idea what that means. That is, is meaningless. Even Tim Angus Taylor's off the side giving him the thumbs up. <laughs> You're doing great, You're doing great. We're deploying renewables ten times faster than the global average per person. Again, I bull- what does that mean? <laughs> the global average per person deploying ten times. So where the average person is, de- I don't, I don't know. <laughs> That's <laughs> what. Ah, oh, yep. Cool. cool. Um, like shit. Like okay, Australia's. Oh, he goes on about oh, we're doing all this stuff with technology. We've gone to technology before and how we fucking love hydrogen and oh, carbon yeah. capture. So he doesn't mention renewables. I don't think if he mentioned them, I missed it. It's all hydrogen and technology and storage, but we're led by world-class pioneering Australian companies <laughs> like Fortescue, led by Dr. Andrew Forrest. Everyone's like, who the fuck is that and why do we care? <laughs> my good my good mate, Andrew Forrest, oh, sure can wear a hat, that man. Sorry, he's Fortescue. Led by Dr. Andrew Forrest, Busy, BHP, Rio Tinto, <laughs> AGL, and so many more. That you may remember from, you know, Crimes Against Humanity. <laughs> Yeah, decades of climate denial. They're the ones that are helping us. Everyone in the world is like, Rio Tinto. Oh, they're the guys that blew up that thing. Yeah, sweet. (laughs) The companies he listed, that was all the companies he listed. Mining, paper, mining, fossil fuels. Cool. Those are your your mates. And if you look it up, those guys make up, I think, 16%. Just those companies are 16% of Australia's total emissions. 16. Well, I mean, we can get into we can get into what he's, we're actually talking about on the world stage when it comes to our emissions as well and how they're even fucking measuring it. This yeah. blew my fucking mind. So, so he was like, we're already doing really good. And everyone's like, yeah, Australia, we've seen your maths. He's like, we're doing so good. Like, our emissions are down by 36% when you exclude exports. <laughs> Why wow. not just say we're, net, we're neutral already? 
Why not just say we're carbon neutral already when you exclude all of our fossil fuel industries and exports and imports and industry yeah. and our cars? Otherwise, we're fucking solid, guys. And and this, if I wish this was happening like live in the UN because there probably would have been those one of those moments where all of the translators go silent for a second and then go because because you can't fucking do that. Okay, when you count. Uh, a country's carbon emissions. Yeah, there's there's a few ways to do it because because we're importing and exporting. If if Australia like imports a laptop from China, which we do a lot of, do we count the emissions that it took to make that laptop as China's problem or our problem? Because China made it, making those emissions, but we bought it. Yeah, but they made it for us. Exactly. Do we count that laptop as us or as them? And and historically, Australia has loved to count that laptop as China's emissions. Yeah, But we also export things, and mostly we export fossil fuels, which gets trickier. Because when we dig up and sell fossil fuels for China to burn, do we count those fossil fuels burning as China's problem or our problem? Now, historically, we count that as China's problem. But there's also emissions used to dig up the fossil fuels, uh, like, you know, your big diggers and your, your refineries and stuff uh, for your gas. They create emissions in Australia. Uh, for the coal that we're sending to China um, or the gas that we're sending to China. Do we count that as our emissions or as theirs? Now, historically, we've counted those as our emissions because we've burnt our coal in Australia to make things to send off. What Scott Morrison has done here has counted that as China's emissions. Fuck! Just (laughs) sort of every avenue that he could to say that uh, any particular emission is somebody else's problem, he has done. Yes, so if you make it, if you make it and sell it to us, it's your problem. If we make it and sell it to you, it's your problem. Incredible. I want to give a shout out to Keaton Joshi again. He's where he his tweets and article is where I saw this initially. The way he puts it, he goes into a huge deep dive uh, in the article and also in his tweets. He's just incredulously screaming in all caps. Like <laughs> we love it. He, he, he does such fantastic fucking work. But that blew my mind. That's how Scott Morrison got to that thirty six percent reduction. Is he just went? We do, we do, we're just not including trade. It's, Australia it's so funny has to no me. Like, carbon exports when it comes to trade. It's not even that we're not including trade because a lot of these are emissions. Like like the emissions from refining and mining are our quickest growing emissions in Australia because getting gas, doing gas industry stuff uses a shitload of gas. It burns that gas. Mm. And if you just don't count that stuff, that's part of your Australian industry. That's, it's bonkers. Oh, no, not with a bit of a wink and a nudge. Ah, uh, we did it for book, someone eh? else. <laughs> like, what's next? We don't count our agriculture because we were going to send some of those sheep overseas? Yep. Why not do that don't as well? my deer's laying. <laughs> <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Let me clean, cut it. Cut that bit. No, 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 no. Uh, it's crazy because in reality, yeah, Australia's emission reductions are minuscule. They reckon uh, seventeen to six- sixteen to seventeen percent reduction since two thousand and five, which seems like a, a decent little chunk. Let's keep in mind that's fifteen years ago. Um, a lot of that drop is because of things that happened while Labor was in charge because they had a carbon tax in the, in a chunk of that time. Most of that drop. Um, is also from renewables, which Scott Morrison and the government hate. Um, and, and it's pretty much all happened despite the best efforts of the current government. Um, so, yeah, he's a piece of shit. This is nothing new. <laughs> this is nothing new. But he's, he, it's just nice to see him embarrassing us on the world stage instead of just 
in I just, Australia. Just I just had a sudden realisation that we've talked about this not only on the podcast, but like in our, one of our very first or second episodes, just the, so. the whole the whole thing about like how we don't count um, the, the cost of the oh, – yeah. The, the 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 fuel that we send overseas, which is just it's yeah. really funny to me because it's like, oh man, we really didn't set out to achieve what we intended to with this podcast, did we? Because nothing's fixed. <laughs> We're still doing it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we thought we this incorporated podcast. our sort of uh, <laughs> pessimism about actually achieving anything with this podcast yeah. when we named. It. We are we are an inadequate response <laughs> to these inadequate responses. <laughs> we own it. We're a podcast. <laughs> Our podcast didn't stop climate change. <laughs> oh, man. I can't believe we did this. We didn't Shut. stop climate change. We fucked it. Oh, fuck. if, if you haven't been listening to the podcast since the very start, uh, 68 episodes ago, um, it's something I used to bring up a lot, which is which is when you're looking at exports, uh, Australia doesn't count. Like, most of the fossil fuels we dig up, and every bit of fossil fuel you dig up, that is the problem. Um, burning fossil fuels is pretty much almost the whole problem with climate change. We don't count the fossil fuels we dig up to export, but those fossil fuels that we export are two-thirds of our climate impact. Um, so, when you hear about, like, Australia's climate impact, just mentally triple that. Um, because because we only consume a, a small amount of the fossil fuels that are going around here. Most of it is exported. So, so keep that in mind. If you've really got to count that stuff, because that's like saying, "Oh, yeah, but drug dealers don't use most of their own drugs, so you know they're, they're only <laughs> they're not that bad. They're not really responsible for the drug trade. Exactly. It's the people who are buying it, but the people who are sort of moving it and producing it no. and selling it, they're they're nothing to do with it. Only look at the end point of consumption, unless the end point of consumption is happening in Australia, in which case it is the fault of the people who grew and produced the drugs overseas. <laughs> yeah. I can't be held responsible with what people do with my drugs. I mean, shout out to shout out to <laughs> Koshi. Never thought I'd fucking say that for this podcast, but shout out to Koshi on Sunrise, who just went in on Angus Taylor. Yeah. Um, which yeah. was which was which was pretty good. I think I mean McLean, you've been screaming about this for a while. It's like when a journalist's going to remember that they live on Earth with us too and they will die as well. It's a specific yeah. thing because breakfast TV is honestly like synonymous with allowing a whole bunch of fuckheads to talk about racist shit at seven o'clock in the morning. They arguably re like reinvigorated Pauline Hanson and got her back into politics. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I would single I would <laughs> definitely say that Breakfast TV is responsible for that. Um, I do love the grudges that we hold on this podcast. <laughs> just like, shout out to Koshi for uh, grilling Angus Taylor. By the way, fuck you, Koshi, for reinvigorating <laughs> Pauline Hanson. Anyway, Angus Taylor was... <laughs> <laughs> never forget. <laughs> no, never forget. Always have a grudge. Um, but yeah, so Koshi had Angus Taylor on and someone must have just like handed Koshi some really good research or maybe he didn't get his kickback from the government to give him a softball <laughs> or something. Because Angus Taylor's there and he's all like, oh, you know, we're doing a great job on emissions and on jobs and stuff. Um, and if you look at the scoreboard, Australia's performance is strong. And then Koshi is just like, it's half of the UK's. Yeah, and interrupts. Angus Taylor's like, oh, well, let's look at the scoreboard, Koshi. And Koshi's like, the scoreboard says half. He's like, oh, we've done <laughs> we've done better than Germany. Koshi's like, you're, ge- oh, you're cherry you're, picking. You're cherry picking. And Koshi's like busting out stats. He's yeah, like, well, the, the UK it. is 78%. We're 26%. <laughs> What's that about? 
you're sort of bamboozling us with statistics because the coalition's been terrible. You were scathing about the Tesla battery, and I'm there, I'm like, get in, Koshy! Get in! <laughs> also, I remember that time David Kosh looked down the barrel of the camera and told people that were rioting in offshore detention that they should never be resettled in this country because those aren't the values Australians have. Fuck you, David Kosh. <laughs> Fuck you. This was amazing to see David Kosh. <laughs> I want to know what's happening behind the scenes. <laughs> the bare, it, he's doing the bare minimum. I, I honestly think, and this is also going back so to what true. I said about um, A Current Affair and um, Tracy Spicer going in on Scott Morrison. I think we're at a tipping point now where culturally we are not only over the Liberal Party's like smug lying bullshit, but we are also over their actual political handling of these things. So it's in Sunrise's interest for their ratings and for their advertisers for David Koch to do this shit. So he could, whether he personally believes it or not, he would always put that on the back burner, but he's now allowed to do this stuff because it's good for their ratings because culturally the western world is at a point where we're just like uh, no actually we really want to work on on climate change so angus taylor and scott morrison are a decade behind that and they think they can just waltz mm. back on there and be like oh blah 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 scoreboard blah 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 blah, blah, blah numbers and cost you know oh well actually but yeah, like yeah. He, he he busts out like the actual just direct quote, the last sentence from David Koch on this. UK is reducing emissions by 68% by 2030, 78% by 2035. We're 26 to 28%. That's the scoreboard. It's like he he practiced that. He fucking he loaded that before the show. Yeah, he's going off notes there. And that's not it, but that's the thing. That's not even obscure facts. And when you say this is the bare minimum, I agree, but it's amazing that the bare minimum is just like calling the government on their obvious lies That's yeah. the and thing. that that hasn't been done for so long. People, the, the government's been able to be like, here's an obvious lie. And everyone's like, okay, then that's Ooh. all we have time for. <laughs> <Interesting>. <laughs> it really, like, the, cl- talking about climate, this is something that I've learned from basically doing this podcast and I guess being friends with Lang for like 10 years, but th- just the, the fact that climate change like australia's climate inaction is so easy to talk about because it's so bad that Mm. the stats just being like oh yeah when they say we're doing bad also triple that because it's three times you can just be like yeah shit is so insanely fucked Mm. that you don't need to worry about the subtlety sort of thing it's like oh i i had my figures off by like 20 percent or something and that still leaves us far and beyond just the worst fucking people yeah, it is nice. People will try and nickel and dime you with, oh, Shell's been building 20 million solar panels. And it's like, okay, but they've been building <laughs> 50 billion gas wells. Like, the rule of thumb is fossil fuel companies are fossil fuel companies. And at the point where they stop being fossil fuel companies, then we can talk about it. But, yeah. <laughs> I didn't just- ha- I didn't finish that point very well. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like... <laughs> Billion dollar fossil fuel companies are bad. <laughs> There's a rule of thumb that uh, somebody told me many years ago uh, of the, the golden rule of Australian politics uh, uh, that, that I just always keep in my back pocket and never never fails me, which is... Uh, Whoever has the gold makes the rules? <laughs> no, no, no. The golden rule of Australian politics is uh, nothing good happens. Oof. Big well, although that said, I have been following Kristin Nikosha Keneally's uh, Instagram and it's been quite inspirational. 
<sighs> All right, so the golden rule of Australian politics. Nothing good happens. We're, we're going to talk about Christina Kershaw Keneally. I have a little factoid about Christina Kershaw Keneally. What's that? <laughs> I, I, I learned off of Twitter. So our coverage of the of the Kershaw uh, issue there, where her issue. initials really are KKK. Um, <laughs> Somebody pointed out that uh, it's 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 actually not her like her middle name. Um, it's just her maiden name. Like she used to be Christina Kershaw and she got married, and uh, that's that's why. Mm-hmm. Uh, which means she chose it. <laughs> <laughs> she chose it. She decided to be Christine Kershaw Keneally. Um, she could have just said say, KK. She could have done a different thing and not done that. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not our beef. That's not our beef with her. I'm just uh, two things up front. First of all, I'm really glad that the whole Christine Kershaw Keneally thing has caught on um, with the rest (laughs) of the populace. I just want to say I'm really proud of us, specifically on the podcast, for being ahead of the curve on that. Um, Shout outs to us. Shout out to us. Absolutely. Second thing, um, this honestly, this particular thing that we're going to talk about has been the final straw for me for just going totally apeshit jokerified at the moment. Because it it has been extremely stressful and annoying to see people like Malcolm Turnbull and Kevin Rudd, you know, Uh, popping up with uh, their grand, hey, look at how cool we are now. And here's us speaking to a career after politics and how, like, you know, we're going to do something about climate change and asylum seekers and stuff like that. And every time I see them, I'm just like, absolutely, fuck you. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. And then to see Christine Kershaw Keneally saying, oh, we should we should bring this family back home. Fuck you. I hate you so much. I, I just, I hate it so much. It's unreal. It just. Now for context, <laughs> we do think that the family should be brought home. This yes. is talking about uh, the, the, the family that has been kept in immigration detention for many years after they, they had settled in uh, a, a little town called Billawilla, where they had just made a home for themselves. And then uh, Peter Dutton's immigration was, department was like, actually, no, and uh, took them out of their community, put them in detention. This is a, a, a young family. There's two parents, obviously, and uh, two quite young children uh, who were very young at the time that they were taken. And now they've been in detention for years. And so the small children are just, their whole youth is being spent in a prison facility. Mm. Uh, alone, uh, it's so bad. Just insanely, insanely fucked. Um, and there's just been a long-running campaign to just—it's called back to uh, home to Billow, which is just like just just let them go back to their home where mm. they had a community and support. There's no reason not to do it except for the torturous policies of the Australian government. And the reason that Christina Kirshenkinley is fucked. For supporting, for, for going on and being like, oh, yeah, I, I went and visited the, the, the Billowilla family, is her party's policies also support keeping that family in detention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She is not campaigning to get them out. She the la- the Labor government were instrumental in like pushing and um, formalizing the you will never be resettled and pushing for offshore detention and Julia Gillard even excised the mainland at one point to make sure that people that reach the mainland couldn't be counted all this sort of evil evil shit. Then when they're in opposition, the Labor Party also continually vote strongly to keep Manus Island um, and Nauru operating. They vote against things that would reverse that. All that they're just horrible fucking terrible pieces of shit as well that torture mm. people for you know 
for political expedience. And then uh, Christina Kersha Keneally hops on a plane, makes a big thing about how Dutton doesn't want this to happen, but I'm going to do it anyway, and goes over there and gets these fucking happy snaps with this tortured family, oh, standing there smiling, vacant with her fucking onyx hollow eyes, nothing there. Just <laughs> This is going to be so good for the tweets and the new... Ah, oh, so good. She comes back and she writes this fucking op-ed for, and puts it in the Australian behind a paywall about how bad this is. The next day after that, she puts it into The Guardian as well and does a whole bunch of press releases wearing a necklace that was made for her oh. by the by the daughters on the thing. Just really fucking like tar black evil from yeah. this fucking person. Just the most it's so opportunistic, cynical. gross. It's just so, Ugh. honestly, it's, I, I'm going to, this is a very big take from me. It's honestly almost Uh-oh. worse than anything that John Howard has ever done. Just okay. The, just the cruelty <laughs> of it, but it's just spiteful. Like yeah. she, I, I don't think it. Like I, I don't think she's harmed. Like I think that the the, the family in there themselves. I think that they were like, wow, we're being visited by like yes. you know a politician. Somebody actually cares about. I don't think she hurt them. I think it's just grossly cynical in that she home. went up and was if, like, if you if you see cool. harm as a physical thing, then okay, she didn't. Let's not put her in the John Howard echelon. <laughs> no, let, let, no, no, no. I think I think Evie does have a point because after this. After she went over there, got these snaps with them and did these things, the next day she reiterated that her like her personally and the Labor Party are committed to offshore detention as part of the processing of immigrants and migrants. Well, she put that in the article. She's all for it. Um, at the bottom of the Guardian Don't get it twisted. Just because I got some photos with this particular family yeah. and I want this particular family home, I am so up for torturing future people that try to come to this country. 100%. The, the reason why I say that it's crueler than, like, you know, even the way that John Howard or any other coalition MP behaved is because none of those people would ever look asylum seekers in the face. They yeah, would constantly avoid true. it. It's cowardice, obviously. But Christine Kersha Keneally went there, looked these poor people in the eye, took something, a gift from them, and still reiterated it. That is unbelievably, horrifically cruel. I'm going to say, Evie, what you're getting at there is actually the um, Kantian um, uh, deontological <sighs> oh, view man, of morality. Where you can't use You can't use people as means to ends. And Christina Kersha Keneally... One hundred percent. Use these fucking people as a means to her end, and that is fucking disgusting. Yeah, but it's fucked because if she brings them home, it's that is good. This is the thing. At this point, I'm so desperate to get these fucking people back that, like, if this moves the needle at all, it is an evil thing that moved the needle in the right way. Yeah. Like, it might bring them home, but in no way should she be celebrated as a good person for yeah. this. It's a, it's like it's like if Twiggy Forrest leads the charge on renewables in this country. All right, cool. You are still fucking it. I also want to bring up, it's cynical in two ways as well, um, aside from the very obvious, which is, one, she is correctly, and, and the Labor Party generally, has correctly identified a problem with political discourse in Australia in that, Everyone's a fucking goldfish and no one ever remembers anything. Do you think <laughs> any Labor rusted on remembered that Christine Keneally voted absent or, um, you know, supported or offshore detention? Cares. Of course yeah. not. They don't remember it at all. And, like, it, like I saw multiple threads of people fighting um, and saying she never would have done that and then you literally have to pose a screen cap of her voting record to show them that she did that. Yeah, and then they, they, they respond being like, oh, but, you know, she's bound to vote with the party. Like, she's not. She's not. 
She can easily she, do she, it. She faces repercussions if she votes against the party. And I don't hey, vote for the I'm going to say that maybe if you went against the party's wishes as a senior figure in the party and just voted to stop immigration detention and the party kicked you out, you would be like, that's be how fucked. Like, can you see that actually copying that consequence is an extremely powerful political tool that Absolutely. you could use at any time? Oh, no, no. Oh, she couldn't do it. She'd be kicked out of the party. They wouldn't kick her out. It would force the issue. Yeah. And the second thing is that it treats this family as an isolated incident. Yes. It's that not. is a thing. The, it, it, she wants to. She, the reason also why she is singling this out is because she wants to act like it's an isolated thing. Oh, it's a family. Yep. Think of the children. It's the same thing with medevac. It's the same thing with like you know t- wanting to bring children home. Like no, mm. every asylum seeker deserves to be settled in Australia and mm. treated as their home. It's not just about children. Well, it's not or even families. not even deserves to be settled. Has a legal right. We are a signatory <laughs> to the mm-hmm. Convention on Asylum Seekers. Like they can. Yeah, it, it's. It's treating this family as a, oh, isn't this so horrible? Like, you know, that it, it's this one family that is like this. No, there's multiple hundreds of people who are without their families. Yeah, it's a real, like, this is the, these guys are model refugees, basically. Oh, They're a cute little yeah, nice family yes. who's lived here as part of a community and the community loves them and they are the good ones. And so we need to bring these ones specifically home. But the system as a whole that punishes people and locks them up offshore forever, depriving them and their children of hope, the system as a whole is fine and important. And this is what she says in The Guardian um, at the end of her article is, is the government will say Australia needs strong border control. I agree, absolutely. Offshore processing, boat turnbacks are where it's safe to do for, and regional resettlement are fundamental to border control, and I support them. But oh. we can be strong on borders without losing our collective national soul. And she says that's why the Migration Act gives the minister broad discretionary powers and ministers exercise that discretion in thousands of migration cases every year. Her whole stance here is that the system is totally fine, but the minister should make an exception for this one case. Um, And that's something we've talked about before is discretionary powers. If the life, if, if your life is in the hands of a single powerful individual, like in this case, the Minister for Home Affairs or whoever it is, the Minister for Border Security, um, you're basically having to beg a single bureaucrat to let you live. And that puts that bureaucrat in a very powerful position. And this is why we have, like, a government um, <laughs> yeah. and, a, and a bureaucratic system, like is entirely so we don't have that feudal thing where one lord can be like, hmm, no, kill him. Like, that's- That power that's- is literally the Henry VIII-style <laughs> power. That's what it's called. Yeah. Like, yeah, it is like, it's indefensible. Yeah. And and you've got- and, and if that minister doesn't like the look of your face or is racist against your, you know, ethnicity or religion or is just having a bad day, I guess you're fucked. Like- that is not a system that we should be aiming for and saying this minister needs to do something. 
Also, like, mm. imagine how humiliating it is to beg for your life in that way. Like, yeah. fuck you, fuck you, fuck <clears throat> all of this. It just drives me crazy. Like, I, I can't believe that Labor is correct that people would fall for it. Mm. Well, I mean, it's, I think part of it as well is that it, this is the ongoing project from the Labor Party since losing the unlosable election and Christina Kirscher Keneally in particular has been beating the you can vote for us, we're pretty bad on immigration too drum for mm. in an attempt yeah. to try mm. to get They're votes. totally trying to play both sides. We're tough on immigration, but also, oh, we care about these children. Yeah, I'm not going to go into it, but she wrote this op-ed a little while ago as well. She's been hammering on about how immigration hurts Australian workers. Aussie workers suffer, wages go down, and unemployment goes up because of migration, which is a racist dog whistle. Yeah. Sorry, that is a a definition of a racist dog whistle. You are, the code is... Migrants, the other, hurt true blue Aussie workers, which is a stand-in for white Australians. It's just very fucking blatantly obvious. And she can bang on as much as she wants about it's the difference between permanent and temporary visas and all the rest of it. Economists think it's bullshit. Migration lawyers think it's bullshit. Human rights advocates think it's bullshit. But they are hoping that what they can do to win more seats at the next election is to just go, oh, we're as racist as and fascist as the Liberal Party. We hate outsiders as well. You can still vote for us. And Evie, you're 100% correct. To go to the fucking island where this family is being tortured mm. and to stand there and get a smiling photo with them, just... Hang out with the kids and then be like, bye, kids. I'm going back to Australia now. I Um, support the process that put you here and I will put another family here if I get the fucking chance to. But, oh, you people in particular, you're the good ones. Christina kirsch fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks again for listening to another episode of Not Good Enough. If you want to get in touch with us, you can hit us on the socials at Not Good Pod or shoot us an email, notgoodpod at protonmail.com. We love to hear from you. We love all your feedback, clarifications, and your comments. And we just like feeling involved and loved by you. (laughs) Yeah. Just what you- if you if you leave a lovely comment, but then go home and support putting us in prison forever, like mm. we will <laughs> take that personally. Yeah, we will look at your voting record. Don't use our tweets as political capital. <sighs> What's your favourite biscuit, and why isn't it Anzac biscuits? Oh, Let us you're know. a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> God, our listeners suck. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I refuse to acknowledge. I refuse to acknowledge any positive sentiment towards our listeners. I insist on negging them as much as possible. <laughs> God bless you, every listener. Keep some keen. <laughs> That's from me. Stupid livestock idiots. Just fucking, <laughs> just lines on a graph. You are. I love Evie. what you're doing. You should keep it up. <laughs> the duality of pod. <laughs> For anyone who needs to hear it out there, you're loved. Not Good Enough was recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Uh, We pay our respects to their elders past and present and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded.